0: This is Daniel Jones and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation. Welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap and joining me today is a gentleman who you've never heard on the th- podcast before, but you've certainly heard on uh, the Sirius XM Airwaves, on the Fantasy Sports Network at SI.com. And now with NBC Sports, the NBC Sports Edge, he's the senior uh, content creator there for betting. His name is Corey Parson. You can find him on Twitter at the fantasy exec, Corey Parson. What the hell's going on, brother?
1: What's going on, Alex? Definitely glad to be uh, taking some time out, getting to chat it up with you. You know what I'm saying? Definitely been following you guys' website and work for a while now. So um, definitely good to have a chance to sit down and get a couple minutes with you.
0: Yeah, man. Well, dude, I mean, I I know you're into the betting now, and it's uh, we're, we're getting down to the NFL. We're getting down to it, brother. It's like now it's time. I just wanted to kind of pull it up here. Let me uh, – let me just pull up the action network app and just so we can just talk over just oh, these boy. games.
1: Let me just see what let, let me see kind of where the money's coming in on these games. Where, I wouldn't what, trust that I wouldn't trust those splits from the action network, to be honest with you. But that's that may not be neither here nor there, you know. <laughs> what, 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 you, 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 don't, you don't believe in the big money stuff and the lines coming I, in I think let me not just single out the action network. I think when you're looking at splits, those splits, I think you might want to handicap the game first before you look at those splits don't let those splits do the handicapping for you particularly with some of these sites because I don't know how I don't know how correct those numbers are
0: okay well fair enough well then all right before I even talk about the splits or before I even talk about the spread how do you handicap Cincy at KC well just what do you think like whenever you close your eyes you think about how this game's gonna go do you do you think it's gonna be one where we I mean we're obviously it's gonna be hard to have anything that's gonna you know, resemble last week, right? That sure would be great, man, to get a repeat of some of those games. But how do you see the action playing out here in this one? Because, you know, if we're not going to talk about the line or the to- – I mean, we can't – I mean, we can mention it. it's a big total in this game. I mean, people yeah. are expecting some offense. Do you kind of see it like that? Or, you know, I know with KC, you've probably examined it, but there's a lot of these home games, you know, with, with, with KC, if you bet the unders – it's been pretty pro- pro- profitable. What do you
1: think about this one? Yeah, you no. Know, if I was, a, if I was, a, I'm an under better this time of year. Normally it's very rare. You're catching you betting and over in the, in, in the, once the, playoffs starts, you know what I'm saying? I believe in the playoffs being slower games, fewer possessions, you know, time management, run the clock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now the problem is when you take that to handicap the Cincinnati Bengals, it's kind of different because the Bengals have to score quickly. The Bengals cannot sustain long drives. Because they, the Bengals essentially give up a sack of drive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of where they've been off season. That offensive line is terrible. I was a big dude. I don't know where you was at saying that they should have drafted Penny Sewell. You know what I'm saying? That's where I was at in April. In hindsight, it looks bad. But, like,
0: it, 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 like, it, it makes so like, much so. sense
1: then. And <laughs> that was like, okay, get the offensive lineman next year. Yeah. You know, this was a good pick. You yeah. know what I'm saying? All with that being said, I just look at a team with a bad offensive line going on the road. And I think battle lines in the road and the playoffs are going to be it's, it's something that's tough to deal with. You remember when these two teams played? everybody talks about the game, the game that Burrow and Chase had, and they did have a great game, but the, the you know, the Bengals, I mean, the chiefs were up 28 to 14 in that game. Now they had a two touchdown lead. They were dominating that game. A couple of jump ball situations. The Bengals get back into it. I think the chiefs kind of tap out. And then you had the Titans, the number one seed. Now, with that being said, I do like the Chiefs to go ahead and get it done this weekend. Um, and basically, when I break the game down, it's really the Chiefs' D-line versus the Bengals' offensive line. From No matter how great Burrow is, when you're getting sacked once a drive, it really, really can throw you off a rhythm. Now, I don't think the Chiefs turn the ball over three times and give the Bengals the game like the Titans did last week, but I know that offensive line did not get better.
0: Like the great Mike Lombardi always says, man, bad lines don't don't travel and bad lines don't travel in the playoffs and in the wintertime. It's just like I I completely buy that, man. It's it's a big aspect here for this one. Um, As far as like we talked about it, like you said, you know, don't don't buy too much into it. But I mean, it does look like only 38 percent of the tickets, but 65 percent of the money, according to Action Network, on the Bengals here, plus the seven and a half is seven and a half too much. Like when you like whenever you get that hook is I mean, that's important, I mean, if you,
1: know. you want to try to middle it because you have the hook I can definitely understand that catching that seven and a half that hook is enticing definitely but my 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 play um, would be a money line parlay uh, with the Chiefs being the first leg of that money line um, if I want to get fancy and try to middle it the seven and a half is very intriguing but I do think. You know, the Chiefs to win the game is the bet that I like the best. Now, can the Chiefs successfully lay that number and win by eight, nine, ten points? I believe they can. Like I said, they had a two-touchdown lead in the first game. But um, you know, that Bengals offense is very explosive. But I I think the AFC Championship game will be a little bit more closer. But a Chiefs ten-point victory would not be out to number a possibility.
0: Then, then as far as the over-under, it looks like – it looks like – as far as these numbers, 22% of the tickets are on the under 65% of the money. I think I would like, you know, now that we were kind of talking it through, it's my first kind of thoughts about it. I think, I think my initial lean would be the under and it looks like there's not many people on it, but it's definitely almost two thirds of bets there on the under. So it goes to show that maybe there's some big money uh, groups that are interested in that. Um, As far as uh, San Francisco at the, at the Rams, the kind of the battle of battle of Cali, you have any you have, you have, you have, you have thoughts on that? What do you think?
1: I mean, I mean it's, it, you, it, you, you go back to wild card weekend before the playoffs started. I think you would say if there's a wild card team that can go all the way to the championship game, you'd have said the 49ers, right? And now you look at a 49er team that's been catching the hook all week. Like that hook has been sitting out there all week. And the 49ers are a team that owns the Rams. With that hook sitting out there all week like that, I know it's very enticing to betters. I would 100% go the other way. I have a future ticket on the Rams from before the season started. I think with the Rams sitting in the offseason, bringing in Matthew Stafford, was critical. Um, I would like to see Cam Akers the whole season. But we saw him come back and start to get rolling uh, recently. A, you know, miraculous comeback. I think the Rams are the play here. I think the Rams are the play. I think the Rams go ahead and win the NFC championship game. And I think that they will be very formidable opponent in the Super Bowl as well. I mean, I just kind of like what they did. I like McVay. I like the fact that they've been there. Um, And listen, yes, at times, this Ram team has not looked as good on the field as they do on paper. Their depth can be a problem as well, but a healthy Ram team, I think can beat anybody in the NFL.
0: And what, what do you make about a cam Akers? Because I mean, you, you, you mentioned him, I mean, Jesus, whenever we saw him at the end of 2020, he looked like a top, you know, top five back in the NFL. And we saw what he was able to do at Florida state, even despite having probably the worst offensive line I've ever seen a prospect run behind at the college level. And then he comes back, he's comes back off the Achilles. He looks awesome. But then last week, two very costly fumbles. Um, What do you, do you think that they're in any way gun shy about going back to him, or is it just like, man, we know how much better Cam is than Sony Michelle. We know we're not going to have Sony Michelle back next year. We might not even have Daryl Henderson back next year. It's like Cam's going to be our guy for the future. Can we really afford to? Can we really afford to flush this dude's confidence by not lo- allowing him to play in this next game because we're worried yeah. about some kind of fumbleitis?
1: Turning the pl- turning the ball over in the playoffs is a huge no-no. With that being said, you can't cut off your nose to spite your face. Like you know what I'm saying, he's the best running back you got. He's the best guy in your backfield. He's giving you basically of himself by coming back, you know, quickly off this injury to get back into the season. Probably a very dangerous move to do to do such. You know what I'm saying, putting his career mm-hmm. on the line. So I'm not going to take the football out of his hands. I'm going to continue to let him be my bell cow, my bellwether running back to see what he can get done. So I understand the trepidation, but this is not a situation where I would cut off my nose to spite my face. Maybe you take that approach in the regular season, but not when. A trip to two balls on the line. I I just can't believe it. I, I mean, I just noticed on DraftKings,
0: he, can't, Cam Akers is cheaper than Jarek McKinnon. And to me, it's just yeah. like, uh, I mean, are people that worried about
1: the fumbles? Like Because the usage has been there and, and the passing game usage has been great. You know, mm-hmm. McKinnon has been great too in the postseason, to be honest, but you see it's a work that we're not used to seeing from him catching the football, what he can do out the backfield. We know what kind of player McKinnon is, but you know, Cam Akers is the man.
0: You remember speaking of the 49ers, do you remember whenever Shanahan and Lynch made. Jarek McKinnon, the fourth most, the fourth highest paid running back in the league. That, that was only like three or four years ago. Like that'd be, it hadn't been that long since people have really, really seen something in in that
1: guy. Like it, it, running in that, running in that system can get you paid. So, you know, that shout out to them for that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: All right. Uh, so a couple of props from this one I wanted
0: to go over with you. If you got to pick a side, um, who do you think has more pass yards? Because I noticed the props are just like, what I mean, they're they're right at 280, 285 for Joe Burrow and for Patrick Mahomes. Do you have one side on that that you would rather take? Patrick think,
1: Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. I think Patrick Mahomes has the, is the better quarterback right now with the better weapons. Um, I look at a situation where he may be not have to throw the ball as much as Joe Burrow will in this game. So I think that's going to be something I should take take uh, into consideration. I would say that Joe Burrow outpaces him in passing yards in a losing effort. Oh, okay,
0: so you're saying you. All right, so you're saying you like, Mahomes, you like Mahomes better, you like the situation better, but
1: you're saying the game script's going to make it Burrow. Yeah, basically the game script will make it. I think due to game script, I think I'll play it over on the Burrow when I think Burrow gets more passing yards this weekend than on Pat Mahomes. And one thing he can do is he can, he can definitely throw it up in the air and he's got the guys to go get it as well. He doesn't mind slinging it. Or definitely one of the uh, very good young quarterbacks.
0: What what do you think about as far as this is another one I found, two guys with similar rushing totals? It's a wild one. Uh Debo Samuel and Clyde Edwards Eler have Great. basically the same rushing prop. I think I think it's sitting at like 40, like 43 or something like that. I think I found over on prize picks, 43 and a half. Um, I'm sure it's different in a lot of other places. But if you had to pick between those two guys, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver, or Clyde Edwards Eler,
1: more rushing yards in this one. it's crazy because I would look at I would look at Debo Samuel's. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, Debo Samuels has more rushing yards than he has receiving yards, and that's the crazy <laughs> thing about Debo Samuels, That is his game. Uh, what they've been able to do with him, and how they use him creatively, he runs with so much power. You know what I'm saying? And then he's fresh. Where well, you got running backs this time of year to beat up Samuel's, even though he carries the ball throughout the regular season, kind of design runs not to get him, not to get him hit, not to get him, you know, really doing that running back workload. But now, when you need him to do that running back workload, he can get behind there and he can grind it out. So, uh, now nah, he's a very confident runner, very strong runner, and he has fresh legs in the running game. So, I like Debo Samuel's. Okay, uh, two uh,
0: two more here. One uh, these from the NFC game. Cooper Cup, man, one of just just a, a golden son. I love him so much. For I can't too. believe I can't believe how good he's gotten though. Um, what do you think, Cooper? So, Cooper Cup, I've seen his sitting right at one hundred. To 102, <laughs> just so crazy. Uh, this is a 100 plus yard prop in the NFC Championship game for Cooper Cup. But at
1: 100.5, are you, are you taking the over or the under? I think I, I can't bet the under on Cooper Cup. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really a big prop better. But if I was going to bet it one way, it would be the over. I mean, this is a guy who had what 65, 66 receiving yards on the last play. You know, in that last drive, the Rams had against the Buccaneers. You know, the mm-hmm. Buccaneers' weakness has been they're um, their uh, the back end of their defense all year. But you know the best offensive player in football in this past season was Cooper Cup, mm. and, and and listen, don't get me wrong, Cordero <laughs> Patterson was great, Debo Samuel was great, but they weren't Cooper Cup, and I just uh, my demand crush on Cooper Cup is 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 definitely a hundred percent right now. I didn't have him in any fantasy leagues. I didn't have no cup. I didn't have no Samuels, which I don't understand. And if you didn't have one of those two guys this year, two guys I like too, if you didn't have one of those two guys this year. Then uh you you probably did not, didn't cash. Yeah, you weren't
0: you were in trouble. Jonathan Taylor was in that club too, man. Yeah, you no you get you, you get two of those three, and you're just going absolutely nuclear. Well, um, what about speaking of going nuclear? Just one more of these guys. the guy we've seen that can go nuclear is George Kittle. I do. you, do you have any take about like we've seen we've seen that Jalen Ramsey's been playing a lot. You know, he's been playing. He hasn't been. He hasn't been trailing as much on uh, on you know star wide receivers. He's actually been playing in that kind of what Nick Saban calls that star role, where it's you know he's kind of um, he's in the middle of the field a lot of the time. A lot of these times, he goes up against these really good tight ends. I wonder if he'll be on Kittle. I wonder if they'll um, do you think they'll make him travel around with Debo? It's like they have so many good weapons. It might be like Jalen will just be on who Jalen's on. That's kind of what I'm operating on and. I see George Kittle, 48 and a half receiving yards. I just think to myself, man, big game, uh, you know, big games. These are the kind of games where George Kittle can sometimes pop off for some of these epic ones. Do you see it that same way, or are you a little bit more bearish on Kittle this week?
1: I think I'm uh, – listen, I, the Kittle thing is interesting because when you see that number – 48 and a half, 48 and a half receiving exactly. yards. Exactly. When you see that number, you immediately think, okay, over. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that number is indicative of the fact that maybe they will look to put Dillon Ramsey on him take him out the game we know the 49ers want to work the middle of the field and we know who they work the middle of the field with that's George Kittle um that would probably be a pass for me on that prop right there if I lead in any side I may actually go with the under because I think it may be in an an intent to take him out the game is is your favorite bet this weekend the
0: the 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 parlay you were talking about with the Chiefs or is there anything else that that you like you just like to get out there for the
1: people that, that do things good I like the parlay with the Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs, the Rams parlay is my my official play for the weekend. Now, I did see something earlier today that intrigued me. Cam Akers to be the leading rusher in the playoffs. It was kind of like two to one area, somewhere in there, maybe two, maybe plus 250, something like that. I caught a quick glimpse of that this morning. I thought to myself, I'm going to come back at some point before this weekend kicks off and play that. I believe right now the leading rusher in the playoffs is Elijah Mitchell, and I think Cam Akers might be like uh, 30, 40 yards behind him or something like that. Uh-huh. I think I, I think Akers could um because I think he'll have an extra game. Well, that's the bet on the Rams. That's yes, bet bet the bet on the Rams. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh well, I mean, speaking of Elijah Mitchell, just
0: kind of looking forward to to next year for fantasy football. I I know that uh I know that you're you you have a a long spell of NBA <laughs> de- degeneracy between now and then, but yeah. just kind of just kind of looking <laughs> looking ahead to it. Uh, what do you think? Do you, th- do you think Elijah Mitchell is going to hold on to that starting job? I mean, it, with Raheem Mostert coming back, if Jeff Wilson comes back healthy, we know that they um, we know that they drafted Trey Sermon, but they seem like they really hate him. I mean, it feels like Elijah Mitchell has a pretty good hold on that role, but a lot of dynasty players are like, "Well, it's just going to be a one year thing," or. Is he going to come into next year with his job
1: this secure? Do you have any initial inklings on that? See, that's the thing about it is because when you look at this 49er running back situation, you can't really trust a player from year to year. You know what I mean? So just just take the regular run, the, the rigmarole of being an NFL running back and the wear and tear and the grind throughout playing through 17, 18 weeks of a season. is one thing. We know the 49ers want to use multiple backs. You know what I'm saying? So I think if you want Mitchell you may be aggravated with Mitchell because he could be one of those players that, okay, you may draft them, you may keep him, you may put him on your roster, and he may not pay those dividends that we see him pay right away. But as you get deeper into the season and that running game starts to shake out and we get into those winter months and these games become more important, That's when I think you can see your value from a guy like Mitchell Pickup, kind of like a Rashard Penny this year, like a Devin Singletary this year, to name Mm -hmm. a couple. Okay. Well,
0: and then what about um, – I was looking on NBC Sports Edge last night where you guys have all the player news and stuff like this, and I saw this – dude, this this headline stuck out to me that somebody put up. It says the Raiders are going to – they, quote, face a tough choice about whether or not to pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option.
1: Do you do you, think that, do you do you think that's a tough choice? Um, I think it's a tough choice because Josh Jacobs has been so up and down. Came on strong towards the end of the year last year. I really liked the way he was running. I like the player. I like the skill set. But we don't know who is going to take over and how they're going to run that organization. So right. that's, what kind of puts, that's what kind of makes me think it's a tough spot. Uh, coming up for Josh Jacobs right now, he is the open market. I think there's going to be takers, but I can see him being a part of a committee.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I can agree with that. I just, I just, I just think that. Yeah,
1: he's I, I do he's, he's a good back. I feel you. He's a good back. Yeah, and yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's just like, the running back you know, thing is 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 like it's it makes playing fantasy difficult. Because there's a couple of bell cows and then the rest of it, the rest of it, you're kind of trying to put it together. You know what I mean? If you don't got a Jonathan Taylor, or Derek Henry, I mean, you can't even count on the McCaffrey's and the Zeke's and the Barkleys. It's over for those guys now.
0: Yeah, I get yeah. it. I, right, right.
1: Yeah, well, I just I, I, I know
0: that I, it feels like Seattle probably wishes they would have picked up the fifth year option on Rashad Penny. Oh, yeah. before, before you know, Yeah. No, but, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so you're here in the New York Yankees hat. I guess the people on the pod listening to the pod won't won't be able to see, but you're a a new, you're a New York. Are you from the New York City? Are you just, yeah, I'm
1: born born and raised in Harlem, New York. You know what I'm saying? Spent, oh, Harlem. Okay, yeah, yeah. I guess you're about as New Yorker as they come. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm as as New York as it gets. You know what I'm saying? Like, Uh like everything that associates with that you associate with New York City, you can associate with me outside of. I don't have I don't have a rooting interest on 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 many on I I don't have a rooting interest for New York football teams. Mm-hmm. You no, know? uh, obviously the New York Yankees on my team in baseball, but um as far as the NBA concerns. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the New York Knicks, but yes, I am a New Yorker and I can speak to the terrible football that's being played in New York. Well,
0: I just, I just wanted to ask you about a couple of the about a couple of yeah. these situations. Okay, so uh, let's let's just a couple quick Giants things first. So new new GM Joe uh, Joe Joe Schoen. It's going to be a new regime. Um, so we know it's not you know this is not going to be a Gettleman deal anymore. Not necessarily going to be Gettleman players, but Mr. Morris told everybody who will listen that the team is still behind. That guy's a meddling owner, kind of like Jerry Jones a little bit, I think. And he's and he's told he's told everybody that they're still behind Daniel Jones. What do you? I mean, can Daniel Jones feel safe because the owner is kind of with him? or is that just the yeah. owner giving lip service, or like what do you think? And, and then, do you believe in Daniel Jones
1: long term? No. So the answer to the first question is no. I didn't believe in Daniel Jones long term. I don't believe in him short term. I didn't believe in him when they drafted him. I knew it was going to be a mistake. His best football game that he's played was the first one he played when they beat the Buccaneers. <laughs> he really trending downward since then. He had a couple of decent moments this past year. He, he got some wheels on him. He can run the football. Um, the problem with the Giants is the Giants hate to admit their mistakes. Giants are an old school organization to hit them with their mistakes and they're going to stick by this Duke quarterback. You know, the Giants have that connection with David Cutcliffe and Duke and stuff like that. That's why they had Jason Garrett in there as crazy as that may sound. Mm -hmm. but um, That is the direction they're going to go in. If they said that they're doubling down and they're sticking with it, they're going to double down and stick with it. Now to to the, to the, to the, to, you know, to, to their, to you know, to, it's going to be a problem because they're going to have to go back and draft a quarterback again. When you draft a quarterback in the first round, and the quarterback doesn't hit, you're set back through the length of that contract. Oh yeah, so that that first four years, those four years after you bring that quarterback in, if he doesn't hit, you're going to be a bad team. And then guess what? You got to go back again and gamble and take another quarterback, really early draft pick, hoping that that one hits. Uh, the New York Giants are in trouble. They've been in trouble for a while. The problem is the ownership is not correct. The ownership is kind of out of touch right now. And now you are going to go back and you're going to hire another first-time head coach. Yes, it could work, but the Giants don't need a first-time head coach. The Giants need a Jim Caldwell. The Giants need a Harbaugh. The Giants need... What about Flores? Flores. Flores? Yeah, Yeah, Flores. I do Flores. Somebody with head coaching experience. The Giants do not need to be fooling around with first-time head coaches because two years from now they could be hiring another one. Did were you in on um,
0: were you in on Kadarius Toney as a p- prospect? Because yeah. it, because like that, the one game where we saw from him with like the eleven catches or something, but then he gets he gets kicked out of the game. He hits somebody in the face. He like he gets carted off the field. He hurts his ankle. Like you got the whole r- roller coaster of what Kadarius Tony brings in, in – uh, in a cup, you know, maybe like six quarters of football there towards the about the three quarter mark of the season. Do you think that he can ever kind of get back to where you know he's a uh, certainly? I mean, he showed us that he can do a lot with 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 a good amount of volume. Do you think he can ever get
1: back there? Are you buying it to carries yeah, Tony? I would buy him, but I would buy him at, at my price. I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying obviously we're a long time away from having to discuss things like that. You know what I mean? What price and what you know what are you what, what what kind of prospects are you putting out there? But when you look at the pound for pound talent, he's definitely has that. So I think one of the things that I like to adhere to is the talent always wins. You know what I'm saying? And when a mm-hmm. guy with talent like that, I think you will have your moments. But I don't. If I'm going to be in a spot where I'm relying on him every week, you good luck. Do you, well. What speaking of hard to rely on these guys every week?
0: Uh, do, what about Saquon? Are you out on him now? And then oh. I, he's just
1: done. I, I can't. I mean, if he's. A flex option, you know what I'm saying? The third back, something like that. A third, oh, that's back. dude. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it like that, you know what I'm saying? But that's what it's got to be for me to be in on Saquon Barkley. The injuries, the poor play, just the, the poor management of the team. I'm not saying he's not a talented guy. He's in a bad situation though. Are you are you as down on Christian McCaffrey as you are on Saquon Barkley? You know what? The one thing about McCaffrey is I still hold a glimmer of hope that Matt Rule could turn that situation in Carolina around. Now, he has played, what, something like 16 games in two years, maybe even less than that. That's problematic. With that being said, with health and, you know, with health and and being, you know, in a good spot, I still think Rule can do a good job in Carolina. I'd be more optimistic on McCaffrey, more so than I am on Saquon. Speaking of the Giants right quick, I think the Giants made their mistake. The year when the Jets had to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater because, you know, they wanted to clear the way for Donald, the Giants should have jumped on Teddy Bridgewater right then. And I think he would have been somebody to at least stem the tide and not have the Giants so terrible. Because one thing about Bridgewater is he can play. He may not win you games, but he's not going to lose you no games.
0: Yeah, and, and, he, and like as we've seen, he can – I mean, he can be a bridge kind of quarterback yep. for you, yep. you know, as, as, as well. Um, speaking of the Jets, just real, real quick, do you have any Zach Wilson thoughts? Do you, I mean, obviously he probably didn't do everything that he, he wanted his first season, but, you know, there were some offensive line injuries. He didn't really – those wide receivers always seemed so banged up. God, by the end of the year, it was like Braxton Berrios was the star of the team. <laughs> like, what do you think Zach Wilson, is there anything in store for him? Or do you think that this first sign was a
1: harbinger of maybe not so great things to come? I think what we saw from Wilson down the towards the last quarter of the season, um, he started to play better football. And you saw that. So that 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 gives you some hope. Some if I'm a Jet fan, I'm more optimistic than a Giant fan. Um, another thing that I would I would look at is the offensive line. They draft an offensive lineman this year. You put them in there with um, what's my uh-huh. man? And, and uh-huh. that's they, and the Jets are starting to develop a good young offensive line. So I would be optimistic about about Wilson. I'd be optimistic about the Jets' offense. Maybe they go out and scoop up an Allen Robinson or something like that in free agency. And you know, Elijah Moore start to put some pieces of a wide receiver puzzle together. And listen, I think I think. It's still work to be done. But like I said, I would be more optimistic if I'm a jet guy than if I'm a giant guy. All right. So I,
0: I have a couple of dynasty questions I'm going to ask you just about your view about, you know, your view about what – which one of these guys you would value more in a league where you got to keep them for the rest of your life. But for but before I ask you those, just wanted to – sometimes I just wanted to – I think people – they always kind of like a few little off-topic questions here. And so I know – so you used to your, – your name, fantasy exec – does that come because you were the executive producer on your Sirius XM show?
1: No. Uh, yo, you know what's crazy where the fantasy executive comes from. I'm not sure if you know him. Many people in your audience may not know him. Um, I don't know where he – I think he's doing some radio in D.C. now. A dude I used to work with named Grant Paulson. Shout out to Grant Paulson. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah huh? Grant I, and, and, I, and, uh, I think we follow him on Twitter. Does he cover the co- – he, he covers Washington or something? He covers yeah. the football team. He has a very popular show in the Washington, D.C. market he was doing some fantasy baseball hosting uh, on Sirius X and fantasy. And I, and I believe, I'm not sure he was talking about uh, a dynasty, a dynasty league where the guy owned like trout and Harper. And he was like, you know, um, hmm. and I believe I, while he was talking about the guy on, in, in the league that owned trout and Harper, Harper, he said, man, that guy's a hell of a fantasy executive. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Fantasy Executive. And a light bulb went off. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with that. And he was like, (laughs) you can have it. And I wish, I'm quite sure this conversation is probably somewhere in the SiriusXM audio files. And I remember him telling me, you can have it. And ever since then, I started calling myself the Fantasy Executive. And I mean, it's gotten to the point now where people well, I've been approached by strangers. and like, like, yo, exec, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? you know I mean? That's great, dude. Yeah, that's where the fantasy executive came from. I,
0: I just always thought it was because I thought – I, I I knew that because you were kind of like on air – you were on air on Sirius, but you were also like producing shows, right? You were doing both, weren't you? Yeah. You were producing yeah. and you were on air. How did – were you doing um, – how did that – like what is that – how did you go from producer to – on air to like now on camera um was that all kind of part of the plan could, like could
1: just no, like man, maybe was, maybe tell people your story was, man it seems pretty interesting to me part of the plan was to be howard stern i tell you the story we'd be going we'd be we'd be on here for another, for another <laughs> three hours okay. um, I, 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 a cliff notes version of it is um you know wanted to break into the industry uh really my my thing was not really fantasy you know what I mean I used to play fantasy and it was consuming my life fantasy football but my thing was really like sports in general like I was like a Stephen a Smith type of guy you know what I'm saying that was uh-huh. kind of the, the the thing that I was looking for got into the radio business and I got my first crack at you know a you know a steady working radio on the series X and fantasy channel and uh producing shows there so producing shows there you know what I'm saying kind of learning that tricks of trade and stuff like that and then finally uh they had an opening up in New York to produce the of Experts in the morning and with Scott Engel and Adam Ronis, And I went up there and I took the an opportunity and, you know, Scott was like, yeah, listen, you can get on the microphone. And when I opened up the microphone and started talking, people were like, well, wait a minute now, you can do this. Like you have, you know, mm-hmm. personality, you have talent, you know, the stuff, you know, you're funny and stuff like that. So trust me, it was a lot of trying moments at Sirius XM, you know what I'm saying? Oh, because yeah. you know, a producer that was that dominant on the microphone was not what they were looking for, but the shows were very good. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. So oh, we had a lot of back and forth on that. Finally, my time at Sirius XM came to an end. And I moved over to the fantasy sport network and became a full-time talent. While I was producing, I always wanted to knew I wanted to be a talent, you know what I mean? So that was the plan. I never got into the game to be a producer, I got into it as the to learn. And that's one thing about being in, in, in the media, in sports media. Every step of the way is, a, is something that you learn. So the things that I learned as a, that I know now as a talent, I couldn't just come into being a talent knowing that stuff. It came from being in the newsroom. It came from being an associate producer. It came from being a producer. So you want to kind of encompass and learn your trade fully and learn the media space fully before you just turn on the microphone and go for it. And thankfully, I've had the opportunity to do that. Sometimes it seemed like it was taking too long. Hell, it still seemed like it's taking too long. But um, you know what I'm saying. I'm definitely glad to be at least this far.
0: Well, you're doing it, man, and it, it, it like I mean, it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I've you know feel. It feels like I skipped a step because I've I've certainly never been a producer. I don't know anything yeah. about th- that. Like, w- but you're running a
1: website. So running that website is like being a producer.
0: Well, can you can can you explain maybe to because people might be hearing it's like what's Corey talking about? What does he mean? He was a producer, like well, like can you can you explain what a good producer does? Like what how they like? Can you tell people about? That? I
1: got Scott Angle and Sean, and Adam Rowan is ready to do the Roto Express in the morning. So basically, it was topics, creating topics, booking guests, getting a flow of the show, making sure the reads are done, all the logistical stuff. Like you can't just come into a studio turn the microphone on and think you're going to be Steven. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? There's stuff that goes into that. And you know what I'm saying? When you're running that stuff like that, when you're running it and putting it together, you know what I'm saying? You know, and you step back and you let the talent do their thing, you put the talent in the producer, puts the talent in the best position to win. And your situation, you guys situation is you have that real estate. That is rosterwatch.com. And what that lets you do is you have control over that. When you have control over that, that puts you in a position to win because you own that. Like I can't walk into NBC and tell them I'm going to do this, 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 and this. They're going to look at me like I'm crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. you're like who are you? You're not you're Al Michaels. You know what I'm saying? Like so, you know, you I can't go call those shots, but at roster watch you can call those shots. So that's a blessing. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, sir, for sure. And um, and, and I can't I I can't say as you know I, I, having no experience as a producer. Uh, I, w- I will say that, like you said, I mean, if like th- the producers pr- are the ones that produce the show, like it's yep. like that's the product and they produce it. And it's like it's crazy. It's crazy to think that, you know, how much work that goes into making these productions. And um, a lot of times, you know, you you were a rare exception when you were on Roto Experts with how involved you were yeah. on air. So I, I just always kind of wondered how that how that
1: dynamic worked. It's very, very, very interesting. Shout out to Scott Angle. The shout out to Scott Angle, 100%. You know what I'm saying? The King Scott Angle. Yeah. Shout out to him. You know what I mean? As soon as we started going there and he, we realized we had a connection doing that stuff, He was he did not at any point try to stop me. He was always my number one supporter. He he's a
0: he, 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 even though the king man I I think the king's a Mets fan I think he's a Mets yeah, fan. Yeah,
1: I, to trust, trust <laughs> me I'm giving the king hell <laughs> okay all
0: right all right so uh, again I have a couple a couple just dynasty questions for you just player outlooks but uh, b- before that I just want to make sure that people know to go follow you uh, Corey Parson at the fantasy exec on Twitter, great, great friend of Roster Watch, man. We ask you guys to mobilize, unite, go, go, give him a follow over there. A bunch of great content, especially as we're getting into these big games where he can really, uh, really pin down on them. And then NBA stuff coming right up. If you're into that kind of stuff, I've been seeing Corey tweeting a whole bunch about it lately. So that is at the fantasy exec over there on Twitter. Anything else that you want to plug? That's like anything you've written up lately, or in the the website? Any.
1: Uh, I think a good thing, we like if everybody can go over to NBC Sports Edge on YouTube, give our YouTube channel a, a, a subscribe and check out the content over there. You know what I'm saying? That's where you start to see a lot of my work will be coming from and stuff like that. So just go on over there and uh check out the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel and check out the good content that we have for fantasy and betting purposes. All right. So let's and talk. Our, and our guy Thor is going to be down there. Thor Nystrom is going to be out there in mobile mobile for the, for the, for the senior bowl as well. So that's your man. All right, man. I'll be inside. I,
0: I, I need to, I need, I need to introduce myself to that guy. I've, I've never, I've never met him before, but certainly yeah. know him from, from, from Twitter and stuff. No doubt. Um, okay. A couple of dynasty questions here And this. So guys you would rather have for the rest of your life and in, in, in your dynasty league, let's do one. We'll do one. Uh, we'll do a quarterback, what, what, how about one at each position? Okay, cool. quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. We'll start out with tight end. Um, how about for the rest of your life? Would you rather have an age twenty six Mark Andrews
1: or an age twenty nine George Kittle? Oh, the rest of my rest of my life. Give me give me Mark Andrews because of the youth of the quarterback. We know what the quarterback situation is going to be. For mm-hmm. a number of years in Baltimore, I don't expect them getting rid of um of <laughs> Lamar Jackson. So I take Andrews because I I know what his quarterback situation is going to be moving forward. Uh, I love what Kittle is, but Kittle could be quarterback by Trey Lance when the season starts, and that would likely be a disaster. This one's going to be tough. Like I kind of want to go right to the very
0: uh, right to the very top. I think asking Mahomes versus Josh Allen—that's what. I'll all right, so a, a, a 27-year-old Patrick Mahomes in 2022 or a 26-year-old Josh Allen in 2022, Man, which one do you want for the rest work, of their career? I am
1: so impressed with Josh Allen, the way that he controls that team, running the football, throwing the football. And, you know, coming down the stretch of the year, he looked like the best player, pound for pound, in the NFL, I would still go Pat Mahomes though. Mahomes. <laughs> it just feels so good. Yeah. Mahomes. You it, know what I am It's for, It's like having the Lamborghini in the garage, Championship games and you're a starting quarterback for four years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's like that's that's all that's the goodness of Patrick Mahomes.
0: Okay. Uh this a couple of couple of couple of young guys, a couple of young bucks at the wide receiver position. Um one's a lot older than the other though, despite the fact that they're both here in their rookie seasons. Elijah Moore, who'll be twenty, only twenty-two next year, or Jalen Waddle, who'll be twenty-four next year.
1: Man, this is a tough one too. And I think we know the quarterback situation is going to be Tua, and he's a perfect player for Tua because he can kind of dominate those flats where Tua likes to throw. Oh man, this is this is a. Uh, and you said the other person was who Waddle versus. Uh, e, e,
0: e, uh, e, I'm sorry. Did I say Elijah Mitchell? I meant to say Eli- e, Elijah Moore.
1: Elijah Moore, okay. Elijah Moore is a very talented young player. I would go Jalen Waddle right now just because I feel a little bit more secure. That's a very tough one, though. That's really a coin toss right there. I like Moore's talent, but, you know, I got to see it on the field first. We've been having that. We've just Those are two guys that we've been fighting
0: about internally. Yeah, that's,
1: that's, I can see why. <laughs>
0: um, okay, and then two, two other guys that we've been fighting about internally that we have ranked back-to-back, I think a lot of people do, and for this, let's just say, um, you know what? I don't even – so one of them is Javante Williams, who will be, two, will be only 22 next year. you got to take into consideration the fact that Melvin you know, Melvin Gordon's probably going to be moved on, but we don't know 100% that they're not going to try to bring him back. Um, so Javante Williams will be 22 next year, or DeAndre Swift who will be in his age 23 season next year.
1: I like DeAndre Swift. I like DeAndre Swift. That's a tough call right there, but I like DeAndre Swift. I think Swift's a very good player. You know, I watched I've been watching Smith. You know, damn near his whole career coming out of college and stuff like that. I think he's a dynamic player. I want to see him control that offense more. But I think he's got a good old, a good up and coming on line to run behind. Give me DeAndre Swift. Do you like Do you like Najee Harris better than than either of those guys? I like Harris better than both of them. You like, Her- you like Najee better than both? Yeah. Uh-huh. It, I think even, Najee is going to have a big role in that offense moving forward. Even in, You're not
0: worried about Big Ben? You're not worried about Big Ben being gone or anything? You- uh, no, I, mean, I, think it's, I
1: think it's a positive. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it that way, but I think it's a positive.